Welcome to the Classic Speeches Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, bringing you treasured talks from 70 years of BYU devotionals. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts, or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. Thank you for that music. I ask especially to have that presented tonight. It's number 214 in the hymn book. You very seldom hear it. But embodied in it is everything that I will say to you tonight. I can see in my mind's eye the students, young adults, gathered in the beautiful new institute building in San Salvador, in El Salvador, where I was just seven days ago, and see them in Samoa, Madrid, Pusan, Accra in Ghana, and Mendoza, Moscow, Seattle, in Anchorage in Virginia, and dozens of other places where we've been to meet, meet your counterpart there. To them I say, welcome, bienvenidos, Willkommen, Punying, Sadrajbeje, Yukoso, and plain welcome. I'm counting on the dedicated interpreters to give that welcome in the other 25 or so languages. I find that uh, through them my Spanish is perfect, my Russian, <laughs> my Russian is adequate, and uh, I'm a man of many tongues. <laughs> now, you are young and I am not. And uh, I have been where you are, but you haven't been where I am. And with the encouragement of my wife, I'm going to do something I've never done before. And uh, that is to speak very openly and directly and personally to you and speak more about myself than I've ever said before a congregation. My wife reminded me that you will be leading families and of almost as much important leading the Church in the years ahead. When I was five years old, I became very ill. It later turned out that I had polio. That was not diagnosed by the small-town doctor, but I lay for several weeks on a World War I army cot in our front room beside a coal stove. And after those weeks, the doctor said I could get up, having been cured of pneumonia. I found I couldn't walk. And I remember clearly sliding around on the linoleum floor and pulling myself up on the chairs and learning to walk again. And as I moved on into elementary school and into junior high and then into high school, I found that my muscles were very weak. I was very self-conscious. I couldn't be an athlete. And uh, 
it, uh, well, it didn't help a lot when I read about the man that uh, went to a doctor to see if he could get some help with his inferiority complex. And the doctor studied him for a while and said, you don't have a complex, you are inferior. <laughs> and <laughs> with that encouragement, I set about through life and tried to compensate in, uh, in other ways. Then, uh, just as we were about to graduate from high school, World War II opened up. And as senior boys, we all lamented the certainty that the war would be over before we were out of high school in June. Little did we know. And so went to basic training boot camp. And there the uh, physical training was very rigorous. I had thought my older brother was a pilot, and I thought, uh, well, I'm going to be drafted. I think I'll at least try to enlist in the uh, air cadet pilot training program. And to my surprise, I passed the physical. And uh, in looking back on that, I can see two reasons for it. One was that they had learned that um, you didn't have to be a well-muscled athlete to fly a plane. And the other was, perhaps more important, they needed tens of thousands of pilots and bombardiers and navigators. So I found myself then in the air cadet program where the, uh, the uh, physical part of it was very strenuous. So I was back on the army cot, laying at night in uh, agony with aching muscles and uh, swollen limbs and uh, the thought that, well, in the morning we're going to go right at it again. Actually, that was the best possible therapy. And in that time, I learned to pray. I learned the difference between saying prayers and praying, earnestly praying for help and strength and wisdom. And then something happened that changed my life entirely in a, in a remarkable way. I had my patriarchal blessing, and usually they're very, very private, and we don't talk about them with others and don't read parts of them to others, but I'm going to read a paragraph or two to you tonight, you young people who are here with us all over the world. The patriarch, whom I had never met before, blessed me in this way, in part. You have the opportunity before coming here to voice your desire to have the privilege of earth life in the council of the spirit world. You were valiant in the defense of the truth and right. You made a free and willing decision to abide by the laws of eternal progress as outlined by our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. You kept faithfully your first estate and have been added upon by being born into this world and given a physical body with which you might experience earth life. You have been given a body of such physical proportions and fitness as to enable your spirit to function through it unhampered by physical impediments. You should cherish this 
as a great heritage. Guard and protect it. Take nothing into it that shall harm the organs thereof, because it is sacred. It is the instrument of your mind and the foundation of your character. I uh, all at once didn't care what kind of a body I had. I had a body of sufficient capacity to let my spirit function through it. And I had learned that a body is sacred. And I found that it didn't matter really what kind of bodies we have, so long as we understand that our spirit and our body are uh, combined in such a way that our body becomes an instrument of our mind and the foundation of our character. And from then on, I saw no purpose, nothing to be gained by talking to other people about my aches and pains, just moved on through life. Joseph Smith. Now, these are very significant paragraphs. We came to this earth that we might have a body and present it pure before God in the celestial kingdom. The great principle of happiness consists in having a body. The devil has no body, and herein is his punishment. All beings who have bodies have power over those who have not. The devil has no power over us, only as we permit him. The moment we revolt at anything which comes from God, the devil takes power. Now, let me restate that. The punishment of the adversary was that he did not receive a body and that uh, no being who have bodies, uh, all beings who have bodies, as the prophet said it, will have power over those who do not. The devil has no power over us, only as we permit him. Now, that was a great moment of enlightenment when I read in my patriarchal blessing and then as I began to study and learn, and uh, there came the, uh, the knowledge and understanding of who we are and where we came from. And as I uh, was in the military, hadn't been on a mission, hadn't had any college, and often was alone, as we often are alone, all of us in our lives. And I became a product of the Book of Mormon. I have here a, a Book of Mormon. It is bound in leather, uh, real leather. I know I bound it myself. I picked up in the wreckage of uh, our headquarters on the little island of Ishima in the Ryukis Islands. Uh, an old leather pilot's flight jacket. It was wet, and the building was torn all to pieces. Everything on the island was destroyed by a hurricane. And I rescued from that an old army jacket. And my Book of Mormon was getting to the point where 
So I gave it a, a leather cover, genuine leather, and I sewed it on myself, and the bindings I took from uh, the, the shrouds or the strings of a parachute that likewise had been ruined. I don't know whether that has any meaning, but there's one other thing I picked up in uh, that orderly room. I picked up a dictionary, and I found out you can't find anything unless you know how to spell it before you look. And that, that became uh, part of my, uh, my education. And from the Book of Mormon, I learned something else that's very important. Moroni, for behold, the Spirit of Christ is given to every man, that he may know good from evil. The Spirit of Christ is given unto every man. I'll comment on that in a moment. Wherefore, I show unto you the way to judge. For everything which invited to do good and to persuade us to believe in Christ is sent forth by the power and gift of Christ. Wherefore, you may know the perfect knowledge it is of God. And I had already read, when I came to that, the statement of uh, Nephi and Second Nephi, that all men, are instructed sufficiently that they know good from evil. So that's built into us. We know what is right and uh, what is wrong. We all know. That's a very important thing to understand. And as we uh, move through life, we begin to understand some other things. Now, we live in very troubled times, the beginning of more troubled times. And I want to speak to you very openly uh, what we faced in World War II. The jeopardy and challenges was nothing compared to what you young people face now. It is a terrible and a challenging time and at once perhaps the best time ever in the history of mankind to be alive. I uh, want to... Uh, make one other point. Uh, in the pre-mortal existence, we were given spirit bodies, and we were given likewise agency. So we are free. Let me read a couple of verses from the 93rd section of the Doctrine and Covenants. And no man receiveth the fullness unless he keepeth the commandments. He that keepeth his commandments receiveth truth and light until he is glorified in truth and knoweth all things. Man was also in the beginning with God. Intelligence, or the light of truth, was not, it, was not created, neither indeed can it be. All truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it to act for itself. So there we are. We have agency. And what happens in our lives and in our pattern of an eternal progression is just what we decide it will be. All truth is independent in that sphere in which God has placed it to act for itself, as all intelligence also. Otherwise, there's no intelligence no existence. 
Behold, here is the agency of man. So, as we learn about ourselves and learn about the great plan of redemption, we know that in the premortal existence, intelligence existed forever. It wasn't created and will exist forever. And in due course, we were given a spirit body. And we became then the uh, sons and daughters of God. We had gender then. We were male or female. And when in that existence we were valiant and chose good, as Alma recorded, incidentally in that same chapter, Alma defines the great plan, which is called the great plan of redemption, and by six or seven other titles, he called it the great plan of happiness. And he said that God gave unto man commandments after having given unto him the great plan of happiness. Then, in the course of our having chosen good, and that was mentioned in my patriarchal blessing, that uh, we had a body prepared by mortal parents and we were born into mortality. And with that came the power to create life, to follow the plan of redemption, the plan of happiness, and how we employ that power and understand the uh, supernal value of it is uh, that one factor that will determine where we go in life. Now, that paragraph that was a revelation to me by a patriarch who's a prophet said, take nothing into it that would harm the organs thereof. And as I began to read and came to section 89 and uh, learned that it was a word of wisdom given as a principle with a promise, adapted to the capacity of the weak and the weakest of those who could be called saints. And that included me, I figured. And there was another essential point. He gave it, he said, I warn you and forewarn you in consequence of evils and designs that do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men, I warn you and forewarn you by giving into you this word of wisdom by revelation. Now, the scriptures say elsewhere that this is a day of warning and not a day of many words. In uh, one way I envy you, with your youth and looking forward to all the opportunities and challenges. And in another way, I'm glad I'm old. And uh, it, uh, it's more comfortable. And uh, the uh, word of wisdom given as a principle with the promise. Well, what is the promise? The promise, of course, is personal revelation. Those who remember to do these things will receive health in their navel and marrow in their bones. So run and not be weary and walk and not faint. And that means we'll have some measure of health, which is of secondary importance, I've learned. And uh, I, the Lord, given to them a promise that the destroying angel will pass by them as it did the children of Israel and not slay them. And then this, you shall receive great treasures of knowledge, even hidden treasures. Now, the word of wisdom 
is incidentally, I think, to uh, keep us healthy. We'll observe it. But that's a losing battle. You know, uh, no matter what you do to take care of your body in due course, it begins to, uh, you know, what happened. And we're not going to live forever in this life. And uh, we can live with our infirmities. I uh, remember once we were having a sacrament meeting in the temple. And Brother Marion D. Hanks was passing the sacrament. And I had to catch in my shoulder, and I couldn't get my hand up to the bread plate. And it was very awkward. I was very embarrassed. And uh, finally, we accomplished it. And later, I apologized to him and said, I, I just couldn't. My shoulder just wouldn't move. And he said, my shoulder wouldn't move. I couldn't get it down to you. <laughs> so that was some comfort. But... We, we have accepted, as uh, the word of wisdom in the church, some standards that we will not change. And you're not going to go on a mission unless you observe it. You're not going to go into the temple for the more sacred ordinances unless you observe it. That's no tea or coffee or liquor or tobacco or whatever else is covered by it. You know, we get strange letters, but, uh, you know, marijuana isn't listed in Section 89. And uh, neither is strychnine or arsenic. And, but, uh, of course, they're not habit for me. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, uh, the point is, if you, if you want to move on spiritually and uh, do as you ought to do in this life, that's one of the requirements. And you can't, you can't just toy with it. Just a week or two ago, in a seminary class, there were some students standing in the back of the room just as the class was opening, and a new girl in the class had came and she kind of overheard them, and these, these foolish young people were talking, it was a Monday, and they were talking about what had happened that weekend and what drinks they had had. And one of them turned to her and said, well, what is your favorite drink? And she said, water, stupid. And <laughs> so, like it or not, now, if, if you are tampering, if there's any mischief, in that, you, you, you've got to quit it. And... Uh, it isn't that you're going to be a healthy athlete all your life, uh, and it isn't that you're going to uh, avoid old age. It's that you will have the key to revelation. And when your body begins to deteriorate, the patterns of revelation will be augmented and magnified. The, uh, it's another thing to know that the Holy Ghost, which is conferred upon us at the time of baptism, remember first, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, second, repentance, third, baptism by immersion for the remission of sin, and fourth, the laying on of hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost. In the Book of Mormon again, angels speak by the power of the Holy Ghost, wherefore they speak the words of Christ. 
Wherefore, as Nephi said, Wherefore I said unto you, Feast upon the words of Christ, for behold, the words of Christ will tell you all things that you must do. Now, you in your youth are being prompted, if you will, and if you keep your, your body in a receptive circumstance, you'll be prompted. You'll have angels attend you. Angels will attend you, and they'll speak to you by the power of the Holy Ghost. But you also should know, as Moroni said, the devil persuadeth no man to do good. No, not one. Neither do his angels. Neither do they who subject themselves unto him. So you're the focus of two conflicting patterns trying to influence you in your life, trying to have you go this way or that way, and you, you're the one that makes the decide, decision. As the old man a generation ago said, the Lord's vote, voting for me and the devil's voting against me, but it's my vote that counts. And that is good, solid doctrine. Now, <clears throat> you'll have just what you want. Uh, you have inspiration from the Holy Ghost, and you have what President Benson called sinspiration from the angels of the devil. And they're with you all the time. Now, I gave a talk once in which I likened the mind to a stage. And there's always something going on on that stage. And whatever you think is going on on the stage, these uh, ideas and promptings and temptations will move in from the side. What do you do about it? You ought to have a delete key. I know a little about computers because my grandkids have taught me. <laughs> and <laughs> I know that every, every computer keyboard has a delete key. And uh, it uh, something there you don't want, something you did that you want to get rid of, why you underline it and delete it. You can have a delete key in your mind. Your mind is uh, in charge, and your body is the instrument of your mind. Now, you'd have to figure this out for yourself. One man showed me once that he used his wedding ring. And he said whenever there was a, a thought that tried to get into his mind, and it's everywhere, he said he just rubbed his thumb against his wedding ring. And that was the delete key get out. I'm in charge. Now, you're in command, so you can't say that, well, I didn't know any better. You do know better. There are other ways. Music is, uh, is powerful. And my older brother taught me that when uh, he was flying in the, uh, the 8th Air Force, and uh, it, was, it was terrible, and he was shot down twice, but he said finally he got so he wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid because when it got that way, he turned on this little orchestra in his mind or this, this little piano or musical instrument in his mind and took his favorite hymn and played it over and over again in his mind. I learned something, and I've lived that way. And when some ugly thought from... Uh, the nether kingdom tries to get into my mind, I move it out with good music, hymns. That's one of the reasons why you are very, 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 very foolish 
when you like to participate in music that is dark and noisy, that, uh, that inspiration can't get to you through there. No matter how popular it may be or how much you want to belong, just remember that there are those angels of the devil. Do you remember the incident when Christ came, they crossed the water, and they came to a cave where there were two, two wild men possessed of the devils, and uh, they said, what have we to do with you? And they knew what was going to happen. And he said, if thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. There was a herd of swine feeding there. They would rather go there. They didn't have a body, couldn't get a body, would never have a body. And uh, they were in possession of those, the bodies of those poor men. And Christ did that. And then the, it records that they uh, ran away into the sea and went around. Now learn from the scriptures. They're teaching you, teaching about everyday life. The first presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve issued a proclamation on the family. And uh, I can tell you how that came about. They had had a world uh, congregation conference on the family, but sponsored by the United Nations in Beijing and China. We sent representatives. It wasn't pleasant what they heard. They called another one for Cairo. Some of our people were there. I read the proceedings of that. The word marriage was not mentioned. It was on the family, but marriage wasn't mentioned. And then they announced they were going to have one here in, in Salt Lake City. Some of us made the recommendation, they're coming here. We better proclaim our, uh, our position. And so the proclamation on the family, and you read it. I'll read the first paragraph. We the First Presidency and the Council of Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints solemnly proclaim that marriage between man and woman is ordained of God and the family is central to the Creator's plan for the eternal destiny of man. And here the physical body comes into play. Within us is the sacred power of creation and the adversary is busy with all of his angels focusing right to the bullseye of what would destroy us quicker. Now there's the matter of pornography. Uh, it's become almost a pornographic world. Now you leave it alone. And if you have any, destroy it. And if you have somebody that has it, help them destroy it. And don't look at it. Not ever. It is destructive and it will take you on a path that it is not consistent with who you are and what you can decide. Not ever. Now, to uh, talk in something less than casual terms, don't you ever let anybody touch your body in order to stimulate in any way those sacred powers of creation. Nobody. Not of your same gender or any other gender. That power is to be expressed only and solely with your husband and wife to whom you are legally and lawfully married. And then all of the happiness 
that is open is open to you. And you must guard that sacred power with your life. Now, if uh, you young women are going with the young man who wants to take you to places where you shouldn't go, however appealing, but it's to those dark and noisy places, and there's some move to, to try to get you to do something you know you shouldn't do, cut it off. Break it up. Send him a letter. <laughs> and uh, stamp it second-class mail. And... Uh, <laughs> Calm down, we're talking about sacred things. <laughs> well, it's just that serious. No pornography, no mischief. You save those creative powers till they're used for the purpose for which they're intended, and that to create a family. Now, there are natural instincts, and they're very strong, and they have to be, and they're good. And there are cravings and temptations, and uh, there can be habitual self-stimulation and a lot of things that, uh, that are just unworthy. Now, the young men are not the only ones we're finding now that uh, the young women are becoming aggressive, unaccustomed in, the, in times past, and you young men guard yourself. And you, you just let it be known that uh, you have ahead of you the fulfillment of the blessings that come with the uh, great plan of happiness. And uh, there isn't a man that I know that can't send a woman who has those designs away with just a look or a gesture and just no. And the same with you young women to those young men. Now, you may feel alone. A lot of times you are alone. But that's part of what life is. Now, they write asking about the position. Of the, what's the position of the church on word of wisdom, for instance, on soft drinks or something? And you think, well, why do they have to ask? It's a principle. And you have the freedom to, uh, to do as you will. And you don't have to be told you don't have to be commanded in all things. And you should know, without having to have the church deliver a statement on it, you should know what the Lord's position is on abortion or cloning or same-gender marriage or uh, birth control, all of those things. They're built in as a part of what we know and what we are. Now, we're about the only ones left in uh, the world that uh, hold of these things. When you look around, we can't find any organization that's holding to the standards, and we don't like to talk about the other churches, but we, uh, we're going to stand alone, and if so, there we will be. There are many things that cannot be understood or taught or explained unless it is in terms of the plan of redemption. Unless you understand the basic plan, premortal existence, the purpose of life, the fall, the atonement, and the resurrection, Unless you understand that, the unmarried, the abused, the handicapped, the abandoned, the addicted, the disappointed, those with gender disorientation or the intellectual, 
will find, you'll find no enduring comfort and you'll not think that life is fair. Now some say, well, we're born with some tendencies. Whether you're born with them or you acquired them or you got them through over-medication, addiction, or any other way, what should you do? Resist them. You resist them and push them away. Well, how long? As long as you live. There's something that's the lifelong battle. Now, uh, finally, one, well, no, two things. Um, ten years ago, I was in England, and uh, I had my 68th birthday. And I was having a little difficulty. I couldn't put on a coat, and to comb my hair, I kind of had to bend down. Didn't do very well at that. So I wrote a few lines, which I have entitled The Unfinished Composition. Now, this isn't going to impress your English professors, but uh, Unfinished Composition, Part 1. I had a thought the other night, a thought profound and deep. It came when I was all worn down, too tired to go to sleep. I'd had a very busy day and pondered on my fate. The thought was this. When I was young, I wasn't 68. I, I could walk without a limp. I had no shoulder pain. I could read a line through twice and quote it back again. I could work for endless hours and hardly stop to breathe. And things that now I cannot do, I mastered then with ease. If I could now turn back the years, if that were mine to choose, I would not barter age for youth. I'd have too much to lose. I'm quite content to move ahead, to yield my youth, however grand. The thing I'd lose if I went back is what I understand. Now, a few months ago, 10 years later, part two of this unfinished composition. Ten years have flown to who knows where, and with them much of pain. A metal hip erased my limp. I walk quite straight again. Another plate holds neck bones fast, a wonderful creation. It backed my polio away. I've joined the stiff neck generation. <laughs> the signs of aging can be seen. The signs of aging can be seen. Those things will not get better. The only thing that grows in strength with me is my forgetter. You, you ask, do I remember you? Of course, you're much the same. Now, don't go getting all upset. I don't recall your name. I would agree I've learned some things I did not want to know. But age has brought those precious truths that make the spirit grow. Of all the blessings that have come, best thing in my life is the comfort and encouragement I get from my dear wife. Our children all have married well with families of their own, with children and grandchildren, how soon they all have grown. I have not changed my mind one bit about regaining youth. We're meant to age, for with it comes a knowledge of the truth. You ask, what will the future bring? Just what will be my fate? We'll go along and not complain. Ask when I'm 88. Part three to be continued. <laughs> now, 
the last thing I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about a broken bird. Over the years, I, as a diversion, I've carved wooden birds. And sometimes it takes a year to complete one. To carve the bird, I'd get specimens and measure the feathers and, and study the colors and carve them and carve a setting for them. And, uh, and uh, it was very helpful sometimes when I'd get the way, that, you know, get pressed down. My wife would say, why don't you go carve a bird? And <laughs> it was a very calming thing in my life. <laughs> and... Uh, we were going into town one day, Brother Tuttle and I, and I had one of the carvings. I was taking it in to show someone, and we'd put it on the back seat. And at an intersection, there was a car. He slammed on the brakes, and it tipped it upside down on the floor and broke it to pieces. He pulled over to the side and looked at it, and he was devastated. And without thinking, I said, forget it. I made it. I can fix it. And I did. And I made it stronger than it was. I improved it a bit. Now, who made you? Who is your creator? There isn't anything about your life that gets bent or broken that he can't fix and will fix. But you have to decide. And if some of you have uh, made mistakes, and you think you're broken and, and, and can't be put together, you don't know the doctrine of the church. You don't know what the atonement was about and who the Lord is and what a power he is in your life. This is his church. We are his servants. We have his authority and power. And we can perform miracles, and there are many of them. We don't talk about them because they can be misleading, because most of those miracles seem to have to do with the body and the healing, when the greater miracles are the miracles in the lives of every one of us, so that if you're on the wrong path, then you decide. You have the agency, and you have the promptings of the Holy Ghost to guide you, and there is that great uh, truth that the gospel is a gospel of repentance, and repentance is just like a mathematical equation. Repentance equals forgiveness. So, you young people, move ahead in your lives. It's a marvelous time to be alive. The world isn't going to come to an end. You're going to have time to stand as I stand now talking about your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and on beyond that. You decide. You were born as spirit children of God in the premortal existence. You were born to earthly parents in this life, and the spirit and the body eternally combined, the Lord said, receive the fullness of joy, and the spirit and body combined is the soul of man. You are consummately precious to the church, to your parents, to one another. You now begin to decide what is right, you know what's right, and have the courage to do it, and you'll be blessed and redeemed and exalted. As a servant of the Lord, I invoke his blessings upon you, you consummately precious young people, that you'll be protected, and that you'll learn how to hold the powers of the adversary 
in abeyance simply because you command it, that he has no place with you. And on the other hand, you learn to invite the spirit of revelation that will be constantly with you, that the Holy Ghost will be your constant companion and teach you all things. May you be blessed in your parents who have sent you here. And may you look forward to a marvelous life in the greatest work that has ever been on the face of this earth. I bear witness that Jesus is the Christ. He lives. We know him. He directs this church. And the gospel is true. And the plan is a great plan of happiness. With all that we should want to do, we are in one way compelled to do by commandment of the Almighty. I bear that witness and invoke that blessing upon you as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. You've been listening to the Classic Speeches podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts, including recent speeches, updated weekly with new talks given on BYU campus, as well as other speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity by study and by faith. Come follow me, the prophet Joseph Smith, and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.